Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Matt Madness Unsanctioned. My name is Ron Pashery, columnist for TJRWrestling.net. Here once again, the first ever three-time, three appearances, I should say, on Matt Madness Unsanctioned. Paul Carboni, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. It took us a while to get the first one going. Now we got three in a matter of a month, I think. So I think we're a while. It took us like eleven months. Yeah, or eleven months. Actually. <laughs> yeah. I don't think our viewership would know that. They they wouldn't, but now no. they do. We're we're on a, a rapid pace here. And now we're the two best friends that anyone ever had. We are. We're challenging, <laughs> challenging, we're challenging a Chris Jericho and tag team right now. Kevin Owens. I think we I think we could take him out. Yeah, no, that's not bad. I have I have no doubt that we're better friends than the two of them. I don't see you yeah. turning on me anytime. No, so. I would never. <laughs> but the reason I wanted to have you back on the show today, Matt Madness Unsanctioned, I feel for me. I do the regular weekly show where I get to spew all my opinions, and Unsanctioned, I like to bring in other people to get to let other fans know who they are, what makes them tick, what they love about wrestling. So one of the things I know is your number one guy was the Ultimate Warrior, which I believe you're the only person we've had on the show to say that. Shawn Michaels obviously has gotten the most play as of number course. one on people's list. He's definitely top five. Yeah. Um, so, but I know that the Ultimate Warrior for you, or the Warrior, whichever, do you call him Warrior? Ultimate I call warrior? him Jim. Jim, you know, okay. First name basis. <laughs> All right. Warrior. Yes. Warrior. So you not only not only is the Warrior your favorite wrestler of all time, I know that there is a lot. A lot more of an attachment that you have to him than just him being your favorite wrestler of all time. Very inspirational part of my life. It sounds so like dramatic and cheesy, you know. I'm 35 with a wife, a mortgage, <laughs> and a child. Um, and when I look at the the timeline of my life, uh, you know, wrestling is it. I, I can. I think I was telling you before we went on the air. I can calendarize. Yeah. New verb. Just coined. Yes, I can calendarize my life based on the year and what wrestling was doing in that period and what I was doing. And, you know, it all came together for me um, when I was 11 years old. It was the summer of 92. Um, and the kids on my on my street were into wrestling, and I wanted no parts of it. Tatanka was the first match that it got was, you going, right? They sat me down, and I watched. They used to have the block. It was like Wrestling Spotlight Superstars mm-hmm. Challenge, and they would syndicate the same matches. Right. And I remember, like, I'll throw you a bone, you know, if I watch <laughs> wrestling, can we go play baseball? Yeah. <laughs> and Tatanka came out, and it was a squash match. And So you were leveraging wrestling to get to do other I stuff I was, and, and, you know, my dad walks through the room, shakes his head, walks out. My mother did not want me watching it, and, and I understand why. And, um, but man, over a slow couple weeks, um, it was kind of like, yeah, when's that wrestling challenge on? <laughs> and before you know it. It now, was, were, you, were you kind of pretending still that you didn't know really like it, or you were like I, it, it all just didn't point. interest me. I, I just it looked and it wasn't even cartoony or fake. I just had had other solid interests. Right. And pretty soon it's like 10 a.m. Actually, it was like 9 a.m. was WCW. So I would watch two hours, nine nine to eleven of WCW, then three hour block of wrestling. It's 2 p.m. on a Saturday. I just watched five <laughs> hours, and this was very consistent for me as I began to watch. Um, I would say by the end of, well, by the middle of August 92, they were doing the SummerSlam build for Wembley. Um, I saw the Warrior, and I was like, are you kidding me? Were you hooked from the second the music started, or did you have to see him first? It was the image. It was the music. It was the bright colors. It was the the, the face paint, the tassels, the hair. I mean, I'm a long hair. <laughs> and it was like... 
we talk about that it factor, this larger-than-life characteristic that most of those 80s and 90s uh, wrestlers had. And it seems to be missing nowadays, especially with social media. You can reach out almost and, like, touch a wrestler Mm -hmm. um, figuratively. Um, He was, like, inhuman. Um, We have this resurgence now in our culture of superheroes. This was, like, a real-life superhero. And I didn't know what I was seeing, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think I alluded in the last podcast... SummerSlam 92 was the big deal. I mean, you think about the names that were involved in that main event. You had Warrior Savage. Mm-hmm. I mean, two classic cartoon characters. Larger than life. Flamboyant. Um, great chemistry together. You had Flair and Perfect, who were involved in the storyline. Yeah. You have 80-something thousand people. <laughs> um, again, this is 92, so the pay-per-view was. And, and if you're a, a wrestling fan who's 30 or over, you watched it on Scramble Vision on Fox. Yeah. <laughs> So where I grew up in the summer, we played release every night or capture. Or it's a very Delco elaborate game tag. Hashtag Delco. <laughs> and my buddy snuck into the house to watch the main event on Fuzz. Um, and we were all dying to know who was going to win. I was captivated by Warrior from the from the moment that I saw him. And so he, he did the main event in August. Um, they filmed all the lead-in for Survivor Series, which was supposed to be the Ultimate Maniacs, so it was going to be mm-hmm. Warrior Savage against um, Flair and Ramon. And uh, what happened was, Warrior had that contract dispute. And there was the walkout, and there was the steroid thing. Right. Uh, Davy Boy was fired. Warrior was fired. The steroids, you know, we, we've all read up on it. And right when I could have sunk my teeth into the Ultimate Warrior, he was gone. And it's kind of like that thing, you know, uh, what you can't have, you want even yeah. more. So I think that's what made me a student of wrestling because I would go back as best I could in, in video at the right. time. Right, so you couldn't, you had fallen in love with this thing. Yeah. That was taken away from and you immediately. And it was gone. And, you so know, the only way to get it was to go back. I, I studied up, you know, I, I watched Mania 6, I watched Mania 7, um, I, I went back to Mania 4, which was his first WrestleMania, you know. Uh, my best friend and I, who, who was a Savage fan, he related to me, he's like, I get why you like the Warrior. You know, he liked Savage, but I loved Warrior, and we could talk about that. You know, we're having these interesting wrestling conversations. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, you go to West Coast Video, you rent the same stuff over and over, you watch it over and over, you wear the grooves out, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I did. And, you know, I was a warrior expert before it was in vogue before the internet. (laughs) There were two ultimate warriors. The first (laughs) one was killed by a shark. We've heard the urban legends. Right. Um, So, for me, um, I I did find other wrestlers who I loved. Um, You know, I I really held out hope that by Mania 9 in April of 93 that, you know, warrior would have come back. And, and, you know, I didn't have access to the dirt sheets. I didn't read um, the Observer like I do now. So I don't know what the heck was going on. I just knew that he was gone. Yeah. Um, and based on what my friends who were really big fans would tell me, that's how I gained my warrior knowledge. So, we fast forward, you know, 93, 94. He was off the grid. He was off the map. You didn't right. hear much about him. Um, 95, they did the big uncensored angle where Hulk Hogan was alluding to this this ultimate kind of whatever. And he mm-hmm. used that in his promos, which yeah. became litigious between yeah. <laughs> Titan and WCW. It was the Renegade. Um, I remember um, it was the, the WCW. It was the main event. It was the lead-in show that they would do on TBS before their pay-per-views. And they were going to unveil him. And I, I maybe my memory is faulty, but this is how I romanticize it. 
again at my best friend's house, <laughs> and they're going off the air, and we didn't order the pay-per-view because we had school the next day. Right. I was only, you know, 14. I was a freshman in high school. <laughs> so I had to be in bed. And they're going off the air, and Warriors cutting, or I'm sorry, Hogan's cutting a promo, and there's this fog, and you see this guy that kind of sort of looked like Warrior, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't quite him. Yeah. Um, Ron, when I tell you that I gave hundreds of dollars to the Mean Gene hotline <laughs> because he would bait and switch us. He would drop names and terms, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Warrior's coming mm-hmm. back. So we would pool our money, and we would call 1-800-909-9900 for all the latest. Dollar forty nine for the first minute, 99 cents for additional minutes. Kids, get your parents' permission. So you didn't ask? No. And you know what's really funny is my mother was cool with it. Really? Um, yeah, she just knew that I was gravitating towards this thing, and I had, you know, and I was a huge wrestling fan. So, you know, I'm a freshman in high school. Wrestling was not cool to like in '95. Right. Um, I had a school bag that said "Ultimate Warrior" on straps. <laughs> That's awesome. I had, you know, and did it come that way or did you no, just fashion it yourself? I got a pen and I, you know, it, it was not cool to like wrestling. I was in the ECW. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember freshman year Spanish. We had to write a a fact about ourselves and I do this now as a teacher actually I had the kids write a fact and then we we interview each other and he got to my index card and he went oh geez and I'm in an all guys school mm-hmm. which if you don't didn't go to one the atmosphere is entirely different a lot of testosterone it's it's very uh, macho mm-hmm. this kid likes to go to wrestling shows and everybody rolled their eyes Little did we know that two years later, those kids were also going to wrestling shows. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I was going to ECW shows. I hadn't been to my first, uh, my first wrestling pay-per-view. was 95, King of the Ring. Anyway, Warriors off the grid. You fast forward to, like, February 96, I think it was. I had gotten grounded. Wow. I did something. Who knows what I did. I, I don't probably, miss that. I probably got a bad grade. <laughs> and my mother went upstairs to bathe my young sister, who was a baby. I'm 15 at the time, so mom goes upstairs. I'm tuning in at 7.57 for the first hour of Raw. And the leading graphic, and I mean, you could have knocked me over with a feather. We have news on the Ultimate Warrior. And they, and they put a picture up, and I said, grounded or not. <laughs> and I remember my mother coming downstairs, and she's like, what are you doing watching TV? And I said, Mom? The grounding was going to be no obstacle here. Ooh, no, no, no. <laughs> We're not... The grounding is... Is, is, on, is on the shelf for now. <laughs> they just announced Warriors coming back. I ran to the phone. I called my buddy. Did you see that? Am I seeing things? And I had false alarms. I remember seeing um, when they debuted Adam Bomb mm-hmm. in like 93. They had put a graphic up on, of him on Superstars. And I had glimpsed it. And I was like, could that be the Warrior? I, I would grasp at any possible thing that I could to get him back. Because every time I got, you know, I right when I had gotten to know him, he was gone. Yeah. And again, this is before the internet, before I was able to gain knowledge. Warriors going to be at WrestleMania 12, March 31st, 96. It was Palm Sunday. Now, <laughs> I think you're like me. You're a good Catholic boy. Very good Catholic boy. Well, we had to go to the annual Palm Sunday dinner at my grandmother's. And I was fit to be tied because... <laughs> so even though I got out of the grounding, I was not getting out of this uh, right. Palm Sunday family dinner. Um, and I remember my passive aggressiveness was while the family mm. ate dinner, I played hacky sack on the front porch <laughs> by myself in my uber-questionable red Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels shirt and my jorts. Nice. I, I distinctly remember this, and I could not wait to get back and... You know, everybody was worried about the Iron Man match, and I even knew at that time, it's going to be an hour, they're going to have a schmazz ending, and Michaels is walking out. You could sniff it a mile away. 
I was only concerned with Warrior and Helmsley. Right. Um, I remember there was a big debate as to whether, you know, what's he going to look like? And this was at the point, you know, the big wrestling websites were like Rec Sport Pro Wrestling. Do you remember those? Not really, no. They were like small chat rooms. And Warrior was keeping himself kind of like in the spotlight. He was doing the comic book and he was yeah. doing, a, he did like a workout video. And <laughs> I considered myself a Warrior Authority then and I remember getting heated debates. Like, he looks the same. He's muscular. He just released this video and... So, you know, he comes back in 96, and, you know, it wasn't the same. He was gone by July. Uh, you know, and 96 was like a really good year for wrestling. And and you look at, you know, I think back to the Michaels-Austin connection, and mm-hmm. they started, they actually looked at the feuding tag team partners. And when you look back, it oddly in a weird way holds up. Um, Warrior was gone. His father died. He got into the issue with McMahon. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't nearly as heartbroken as I think I had been four years ago. Um, I was 15 at the time or whatever. And, you know, he came back in 98. Um, he, I think he came back, it was July 6th. It was the, the Georgia Dome show where your boy Goldberg defeated mm-hmm. Hogan. <laughs> and, um, again, I remember I was at my next-door neighbors who got me back into wrestling. Right. My best friend Jason, we were there that night. It was a great night. Where he came back... Um, but the the wind was out of the sails, I guess. I was 17. I had a girlfriend. You know, life changes. Yeah. And while I still loved, loved, loved wrestling, um, I don't know. Maybe my, my taste buds had been satiated. Who knows? Do the, you think that you said you weren't as heartbroken the second time? No. Do you maybe think it was, it was like maybe that time had passed him by and it wasn't? Because you said I it wasn't think, the same. I think so. Um, I was 18. Um, at the time, I was looking into training to be a wrestler. Um, my taste to change in that, again, I was I, I were so lucky to have grown up in the Philadelphia area. So my exposure to ECW and different types of hardcore wrestling, mm-hmm. and my friends, you know, we were always very educated. And, and you know, um, which is not to say that we didn't love WWF and WCW at the time, which is great when people, you know, rag on Vince. It yeah. just boggles mm-hmm. my mind because that was... The formative time. We, I was born in the perfect year to be a wrestling fan mm-hmm. because I could drive to shows at 18. It was a renegade product. Um, had it passed him by? Yeah, probably. The way he was used, the entire debacle of the cartoonish nature of his portrayal. Mm-hmm. It was just whatever. Um, but I still loved him. Um, you know, he the Halloween Havoc thing just was left a bad taste in my mouth, and 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 that whole thing. And you're not he, alone on that. Yeah, <laughs> we still talk about it. It's it, it, it's so bad. Um, so he was gone. Um, and then there came a time where it wasn't cool to be a Warrior fan. If you would have asked the wrestling fan of two thousand, you know, one, two, three, four, and five, what was their Mount Rushmore? Yeah. Warrior, it was not cool. Now, well, this might be semantics here, but I think there's a a marked difference. It wasn't just not cool to like him. It was uncool to like him. Yeah, it was like, (laughs) you know, I remember when I was actually training to wrestle, I I, I said, you know, I love Warrior. I get it. And and, and I had had created a divide where, look, you know, I have my my favorite wrestlers, you know, Warrior and stuff. But I really like, you know, Dean Malenko and Shawn Michaels. And whereas now it's okay to like all of that, we have you know our wrestle cons and our comic cons, and this the technology has given us this outlet to kind of like encapsulate. You know, wrestling eats its eats its 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 past. They're cogs in a wheel, and I'm glad that the fans can keep the memories of those '80s wrestlers alive with you know technology mm-hmm. and, and these cons. But we didn't have that back then. Right. So the first thing that a predominant male audience does is we make fun of that which makes us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. 
So, and I got ragged on, and my buddies would bust my chops, and I got it. Um, when I started to wrestle, I wanted to be this, this serious hybrid wrestler, mm -hmm. but I would put things on my arms, <laughs> and people would ask me why to do that. Well, that's my tribute to the war. And I very sheepishly would. So, but the fact that you did it says a lot. I, I don't think I'm any kind of trailblazer or anything. I just really like the guy. And, you know, you if you look at my high school notebooks, when I tell you I drew the warrior symbol thousands of times, <laughs> hundreds of thousands, and I still do it today. So let's get to the good part of the story. Right. 2004 comes. Um, I was on a wrestling website, and somebody was making fun of Warrior. He was auctioning off on eBay a signed action figure. Mm -hmm. So I immediately logged on, and it was 60 bucks. I was in grad school, I was unemployed, I was studying to be a teacher, lived at home, and I said, 60 bucks is a drop in the bucket. And I, instead of the bidding, I, I bought it now, you had the buy it now option. Mm -hmm. It was $60. So I got it, I said, cool. And don't you know, a couple hours later, I got an email from a warrior via eBay. And I'm, um, again, not Personal email. He personally emailed me through eBay. Hi, thanks for bidding, you won, et cetera, et cetera. Is there anything I could do for you? <laughs> and I and I said, well, um, you know, I always believe, and, and I never, I, I never stopped believing. If you could just sign, always believe, you know, put my name on it. My name's Paul, and um, I figured that I would uh, strike while the iron was hot. Right. <laughs> so I drafted an email to him. Basically, it was a, it was, it was a man crush love letter. Okay. I made the mistake of sending it to a good friend who then sent it out to my other male <laughs> friends. This email does exist somewhere. So it's out in circulation. Yeah, somewhere. and it's been held over my head, and um, there was a time when I was very embarrassed by it, but I basically <laughs> told him, like, you have no idea what you d did for, you know, a ridiculed high school freshman who had nothing to believe in 10 years ago, um, you know, when it wasn't cool to like you, like I always did, and just thank you for what you did and all this stuff. Well, he emailed me back, and, and if you, you know, we, we came to know Warrior in his later years, is very verbose. Right. Very intelligent, but mm -hmm. you think I talk a lot. <laughs> his email was, and I was, I was doing the Santino around my house. <laughs> I was calling my friends, like, you'll never guess. And my one good buddy, um, a, a trained wrestler who went significantly far mm -hmm. in the business, as a matter of fact, he went, and this was cyber-stalking before there was cyber-stalking, yeah. <laughs> but he went and checked out his eBay profile, and he said, did you know that Warrior recently bidded on a bag of fertilizer for his lawn? So we thought, you know. So Warrior and I exchanged some emails, and I took it a step further. Um, I asked him about the Warrior. He used to wear an earring. Mm -hmm. It was a Warrior earring. Um, it was the Warrior symbol. And, you know, if you look at the old WWF magazines, you look up close. And I was like, do you have any of them? Because my ears pierced. And he said, Vince McMahon paid $5,000 a piece for them. Wow. He said, um, I can't believe I ever let anybody talk me into putting holes in my body. But I did. But I'll be keeping those. In the same email, I had actually asked about um, some of his attire. And again, this is what fascinated me about him was his, you know, this guy, like Savage, they invested so much money in their life. Oh, yeah. Um, right here is the WrestleMania 7 figurine. Um, you'll remember that he wore that, that beautiful coat mm -hmm. and he wore the trunks. Yes. And uh, it was the WrestleMania 7 career match. And on the back, it had a, it had the, the WWF title. And it said, it means much more than this, which my <laughs> buddies and I always thought was like the coolest yeah. thing. Which it is. And I said, do you... Uh, Still have those tights. 
And he said yes. And he said, oh, this is where it got weird. He said, <laughs> I could sell that stuff to you, but it would cost it would cost a significant amount of money and I have it in storage in Phoenix. And uh, I can tell a person's character. And if you're not interested, like, let's not negotiate or whatever. And I was like, okay. Again, yeah. I was 23. Right. Um, but I said, okay. I said, it's probably worth more than I can handle, but I, I appreciate yeah. it. And a couple days later, my warrior figurine arrived, and mm-hmm. here it is. Um, again, 2004, when it wasn't cool to like the warrior. Yeah. And he had signed it, and he handwrote me a letter, and I got a couple 8x10s. And uh, again, I don't know that my, my, my good friend who had stalked his eBay account, mm-hmm. he read the letter, and it was on letterhead, and it was Project Warrior with this yeah. caricature. And he said, you know, and he gave me this idea, I, I took a... I, I copied his letterhead. I, I put a plain piece of paper over top and made like a thousand copies. So to this day, I have the Ultimate Warriors letterhead. <laughs> I may or may not have passed it off as my own once right. or twice. We cannot confirm or deny. So, you know, I'm 23. This is 10 years, or this is 12 years ago at this point. You know, 2006, the Smear DVD came out. Mm-hmm. And I liked it only because I got to see the footage and hear people right. talk about it. Um, so... You know, um, my fandom has never waned. I've always been a Warrior fan and a wrestling fan. So, for the sake of our listeners' um, budget on time. Well, real quick, before you get to that. Yeah. When you, because you clearly had multiple communications with him. Nothing major. Do you do you think that he, in any way, your, your feelings toward him that you expressed, like what he did for you as a youth who had nothing to believe in, do you, think, do you think he appreciated it, or were you just like another fan that... I'm sure he did in the moment, but I'm just another fan. I mean, you know, when you think about where we are in the big universe mm-hmm. and scheme of things, I, I was just a guy. Right. He was a celebrity and had been for years. I'm sure he'd heard that before. I was never make-a-wish kind of kid, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully. Yeah. But, you know, we shine the light on Connor's Cure, now like the Warrior Ward and stuff. And, I, and, I've, and I'm lucky to have never had those issues, but... I'm normal. I'm privileged. I'm lucky. And I I think that, you know, it, it's really, for me, I'm a very emotional person. I, and, and my connection with wrestling is just, it's so odd. And again, it sounds dramatic, but I needed to be able to say, like, my man, thank you. You know, um, it was just really cool to believe in. On a bad day, I would, like, play his music, and that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So in 2000... Um, before I had had that that witch in my face, that um, interaction with him. You fast forward all these years, and the Hall of Fame becomes its own separate entity mm-hmm. with WrestleMania week, and I'd been to WrestleMania. So it's 2014. It's like February, I think it was. And it was uh, right when they were starting to announce the Hall of Fame class. Now, at this point, I'm probably the most informed wrestling fan yeah. that I could be, <laughs> and... Uh, I'm married. I had a baby. So my baby at the time was about eight months old. Okay. And I'm watching Raw, and my wife decides to take a shower before bed. And I said, let me just watch one more segment. And they said, we're going to announce the first Hall of Famer. Now, I'd been on the Wrestling Observer news site hours before, and I hadn't heard anything. So they're going to make the Hall of Fame announcement. Right. And the screen goes black. And if you could look at that episode of Raw, or if you even just look up the WrestleMania, or the, the Ultimate Warrior Hall of Fame announcement, it goes black. And you see the neon hit, <laughs> and it goes into the snarl. And I'm getting chills, like, thinking yeah. about it. Like I was sad. And immediately, my anxiety and my stress level started to rise because, Ron, I've seen every major professional wrestler 
of the last 30 to 35 years in person. The only one I never saw was Andre. Andre died January of 93. Mm -hmm. Other than that, you name it, I've seen him. I've even seen some of the stars of yesteryear. You know, I shook Bruno's hand, who was my grandfather's favorite wrestler. And the irony of ironies is the hundreds of wrestling shows I've been to, the, 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 at the time, the three or four WrestleManias I had traveled to, I'd never gotten to see the number one. Yeah. And he wasn't just like my favorite wrestler. He was like, when you asked me if you could have dinner with anyone alive or dead, it wouldn't have been God right. or Hitler. <laughs> it would have been the Ultimate Warrior or maybe Shawn Michaels. Yeah. So I wake up the next day feeling really stressed and I, I talk to my wife. And we'd always had plans to go to New Orleans that just never panned out. Now we have a baby in the picture. Mm-hmm. And she says, look, you do what you got to do, you go. So that was really like, that was one issue. That's and then, you know, I'm talking, thinking about the money. So my good friend Brian, who, um, again, uh, the stalker, the eBay stalker, okay. um, <laughs> who is. He's got uh, his fingerprints all over this uh, story. <laughs> you, you know, well, none of this, ha- the, the, the second half of the story doesn't happen without my buddy Brian. Brian's uh, a very good friend of mine, um, a trained pro wrestler who did work with the WWE. Um, I'd like to say I got him a start. That's another conversation. <laughs> he called me. And he was getting press credentials to go. Um, again, he does work for radio stations and always interviews the guys. And I said, he said, look, let's go. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to get the press credentials. I'm buying tickets anyway. We'll sort the money out. And, you know, I needed to do this with friends. So yeah. my buddy Jason, my other best friend, was already traveling down there with his wife. So um, what I did was... So he just happened to be going to New Orleans around this time? Well, he was going to go, but his wife wanted to go. Okay. Um, my wife had the baby, mm-hmm. so and she very kindly said, yeah, I know you need to do this. Yeah. So what happened was, um, I'm a school teacher, obviously, and I went to work that Friday, and I came home, and I went to bed really early, and I took a flight by myself Saturday morning at like 4 a.m., so I flew into New Orleans, and Brian and Jason were already down there, uh, and another friend of mine. Uh, so we meet down on Bourbon Street. Now, my dream was to see Warrior in person. My other dream, and I, I, I didn't think of this at the time, was I would have seen him at WrestleMania and gotten near the Fink introduce him. <laughs> I don't need to explain it to the fans. <laughs> yeah. But the Fink was going to say it, and... Mm-hmm. and so uh, the day of the Hall of Fame was great. Uh, we were in Bourbon Street. We, you know, we met up at about 1 p.m. My flight got in, and um, so that night we we walked to I believe it was the Dunkin' Donuts Center, and um, this was just my buddy Brian and I. So he has a wrestling rule where guardrails and security don't matter <laughs> because if you walk like you belong there, you're going to go in. They're only obstacles as much as your grounding was an obstacle earlier, earlier exactly, in the story. Exactly. <laughs> um, and this is where it's very serendipitous. Um, to say that WrestleMania 30 was one, of the, was one of the greatest weekends of my life, it might be the greatest. Who would have known that would have such... And we still talk about it with mm-hmm. our, you know, our, our collective love for Daniel Bryan, the, the smart fan base. We walked to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. We were a mile away. And my buddy was dressed in shirt and tie. Brian was. Again, he had press credentials. Mm -hmm. I was dressed in a bright pink, (laughs) super tight shirt from Express. Okay. Khaki shorts and sneakers. (laughs) He took one look at me and said, dude, if you're trying to go backstage, this is not how you do it. This is not the way to get that But I said, stop. This is the only way I'm doing it. This is how we're going to do it. So... We went, we signed in, we got our press credential, and the, you know, you could do certain stuff, but it wasn't like the press credential that got you backstage. Right. Brian Sosha's rule of life is follow my lead, and mm-hmm. we somehow make it backstage at the Hall of Fame. So my head is on a <laughs> swivel. 
we end up in an elevator with Jack Swagger, uh, Dolph Ziggler, I forget who else, a couple gorgeous women, and, you know, here's the jackass in the, in, in, you know, Delco's finest. In the, <laughs> the tight pink shirt. In the extra medium shirt. <laughs> we take the elevator, um, and it was funny. I was actually looking for two things, the Ultimate Warrior and food, because <laughs> WWE catering is legendary. Yeah. And I end up, we ended up at a table by ourselves, um, and I had the best andouille sausage. In my, <laughs> it was delectable. I'm eating this food, and at the same time, there's Rob Van Dam, there's Randy Orton with his now wife, and I, I had seen the wrestlers before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of this going on, so that you're not questioned. If you act like yeah. you're busy on your cell phone, Ron, nobody's going to bother yeah. you. So I did this a lot. It's like the new version of the clipboard. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the, the list of don't bother me lest I get thrown out. And again, the whole time I'm looking, I'm looking. Um, I ended up out by the loading dock at one point where Jake the Snake was having a cigarette. It was just a really yeah, surreal yeah. experience. I'm sure. I assumed that Warrior was going to come later in the show. I assumed that he would arrive in a limo. Um, I probably wouldn't have had... You can't just go up to these guys. At the time, I'm 33 years old. So it's like, hey, man, how do you do? It yeah. wouldn't have... So I'm like, let's go to our seats. The thing is, we could not figure out a way to get to the press box because mm-hmm. we were in the bowels of the of the stadium, and you know we had looked a couple times and could not figure out a way. And we finally went to a producer and we said, "Excuse me, can you um can, we need to get up?" And she's like, "Okay, oh, yeah, just go out here." By this time, the in, uh, the induction had started. Trish Stratus had done the uh, intro speech for Lita, so we walk on out, <laughs> and I am not kidding you. I walked out on the red carpet with my buddy. You're on the Hall of Fame red carpet. As Lita is doing her speech, I walk out in the in front of the front row of the entire WWE. <laughs> and, and and of course, as I romanticize it and remember it now, I walked out and the entire front row <laughs> just went, watched you. <laughs> and again, in my memory, I feel like there's Steve Austin, there's Hulk Hogan, there's Shane Stephanie, Triple H, Daniel, <laughs> they're all looking at me. <laughs> There's a silent. There's a silence in the crowd. You can't be loud. There's Lita, and here comes this buffoon in his pink shirt, and extra it just, medium, extra medium, extra tight. I may have been walking with my chest uh-huh. puffed out, and I was mortified. <laughs> and I look at my buddy, and he's like, "Just don't make eye contact. Like, just we 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 are Ron. We were on the red cop carpet. We were where the the superstars were walked yeah. out to go to their seats." And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. So <laughs> the spotlights are on me. You're in the, the, the bowl of the stadium. Yeah. We immediately like make our way to the back where it's like quieter where the production is. It's pretty cool. Um, we do make our way to the um, uh, press box eventually. It was a great night. Warrior speech, you know, Warrior came out. And that was the first time I got to see him. And everybody who knew me knew that I was there. I got to meet my buddy Brian. Uh, he came out. I got to see him. He came out with his daughters. Um, again, I'm a, I'm a new father at the time, mm-hmm. and when he did the deal, I, I still can't watch it about, you know, I was worried a long time ago, but, um, you know, uh, the greatest thing I ever did was be your dad. Awesome. I, I lost it. I cried, and it was maybe 20-something years of just emotion, um, fandom, mm-hmm. excitement. I was a new father. I am an emotional guy. I cried. It was awesome. Um, I remember walking home that night back to our our Airbnb uh, <laughs> stead with my buddy. And I was just like, oh, it was great. And the next night, we still had WrestleMania to yeah. go. 
So that's crazy when you think about it. You've already done all this, and WrestleMania hasn't even happened. I know. <laughs> and I had said, like, if I don't get to Mania, I think I'll be all right. I got to see the Ultimate Warrior. Not just my favorite wrestler, but, you know, I'm a big appreciator of sports and whatnot, mm-hmm. but he's always been my number one. Um, I got to see him go to the Hall of Fame. He got his just due. It was a great speech. I liked the edge in it. I mm-hmm. liked the zings in it. You know, he got his, and he deserved it. Um, and, you know, all the Warrior fans, they released the T-shirts, you know, and I'm sitting there saying, where were you 10 years yeah. ago? But, you know, the Envoke thing used to be, let's, let's rag a Warrior. It has nothing to do with work rate or anything. Um, we're fans of this because we like stories. We mm-hmm. like the escape from reality. Um, I'm an English teacher. I teach the concept of the story and the art form, and art comes from nothing. And for me, he was a great artist. His execution might have been a little um, rough around the edges, but for considering that he was never a fan or whatnot, like we're talking about him. Yeah, yeah. All these years later. So um, WrestleMania happens. I was in the press box. I was in the highest point of the stadium uh, again with my my good friend Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he still has the fingerprints on my on his arm. <laughs> when when uh, Lesnar got three, um, you know, we can talk about it in the next episode. Yeah. But, and they were getting the carpet ready for the Hall of Fame inductions. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing up and I'm emotional again. Yeah. Thank goodness nobody was around us. <laughs> and, that would have been your letter all over again. Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> or your email. My email. And. Brian elbows me, and I'm like, what's up? And he's like, Sergeant Slaughter's here in the press box. you got to shake his hand. Now, I'm sure you've gotten from me that I, I'm a mark at heart. I'm a, mm-hmm. I, I am the biggest wrestling fan. If they had mm-hmm. had WrestleCons back when I was like 16 years old, I would have been called <laughs> out. Of all the times for a, a bona fide superstar, former superstar, to come out, like I, I'm getting ready to hear, and I just realized Fink's going to introduce the Warrior. I'm going to hear him. And the music and the... So, you know, they're schmoozing. I'm like, hurry up, hurry up. And, hey, Sarge, how'd he do? And I shook his hand. It was... Hey, Sarge, you remember Mania 7 when... uh... So, thankfully, you know, I got, you know, he came out and the Fink did the introduction and he did the thing to the crowd and I was like, man, oh, man. This is unbelievable. So I got to see him. Um, the show was, again, it was such a defining, it was a magical moment in my mm-hmm. life, the entire weekend. Uh, I, I, I flew home early Monday morning. My plane was rerouted to Detroit. I didn't get home till late. I ended up with a WWE championship replica belt. Mm-hmm. Can't tell you that story here. <laughs> that's for the, that's for the members only podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, my buddies stayed in New Orleans for the Raw that night where Warrior gave a speech. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, what turned out to be his eulogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it on TV. Um, I had actually you know, taken off of work that Monday and Tuesday. So my first day back was going to be Wednesday morning. Um, and people knew that I traveled to New Orleans to see my yeah. childhood hero. And um, I turned my cell phone off every night. Because I feel like nothing good can happen in the middle of the night. Right. And hopefully that bad news can wait. So, mm-hmm. um... I woke up very early on Wednesday morning. I get up very, very early. And I was getting ready to take my shower before work. And as I'm walking up the stairs, I turn my phone on. And that ominous vibration. Yeah. I was like, gee whiz. And at the time, my buddies and I, we, you know, we have like the text chains. Mm-hmm. And there's like six of us all in there. And we're all... And there's 48 text messages. And I said, 
and I couldn't scroll through them all. The coffee hadn't kicked in. And I, and I texted. I said, what happened? And a friend of mine said, he said, I'm sorry. That's all he said. He said, I'm sorry, brother. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. And um, I went to my go-to wrestling site, which uh, is the Wrestling Observer News site. And I saw that he died. And... It's really funny. I, I always wondered how how I would react when Warrior died. Like, is it like a big deal? You know, we, we joke about death all the time, especially wrestling fans. Yeah. We they they it's die ever in, present. You know, they die in such tragic, fantastic ways. And uh, I mean, only in wrestling does does could something like that would happen to Owen Hart die, happen. And I started to sob. And it was the darndest thing. It was a very true, genuine emotion. It wasn't manufactured. There was mm-hmm. nobody around. It was still dark out. And I, I just cried. I had seen him 48 hours previous, and he died. Mm-hmm. And I scrolled through the text, and my one buddy had woken up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And the breaking news on CNN was uh, worried had a heart attack in the parking lot, and Triple H had broken the news via Twitter. And uh, my wife called up the stairs, and I said, the Ultimate Warrior died. And she said, are you all right? And I said, I don't think I am. Um, so had I not taken a couple of days off of work, I probably would have taken off work because yeah. I was that devastated. Um, it's a vestige of your childhood. And again, I'm 33. Again, wife, mortgage, child. Am I being childish? Am I being dramatic? I got myself together. Um as we always do, mm-hmm. I, I called my mother on the way to work, mm-hmm. and she just felt for me. Yeah. Um, I called my buddy Brian, who had gotten me down there. I, I, I got to my classroom, and I locked the door, and I called Brian. And I said, he had seen the speech at Raw. And he said, Paul, I told you, he didn't look good. And we look at that in retrospect. And, and the high blood pressure, the hypertension, yeah. the red in the face, armchair quarterbacks. He said, he said you're a teacher. He said, I need you to, to get yourself together. And he said, um, talk to your kids about it today. Make it a teachable moment, mm-hmm. a lesson. you, you got to heal from this. And I, and I teach at Brian's alma mater. I actually okay. teach where I went to high school. <laughs> this is very circular. Yeah. Um, there's a knock on my classroom door. It is my principal and two other good friends who wanted to see how my trip went. And I, and I turned to them on the phone. And I said, I actually shooed them out of my classroom <laughs> with... Again, it sounds... You're crying over a pro wrestler? Like, give me a break. The ultimate... If if you don't know, that is what you would think. But people who know, it, it's not just that. Well, my goal was to have it such that I could make it a teachable moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I hung a T-shirt in my room in memorial. Um, and actually, a bootleg shirt, shirt from '96. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I spoke to my kids about it, and they were so polite and respectful. They were like, "Man, they all knew how much I loved wrestling." Um, I always did uh, as a moment of zen for them mm-hmm. on Mondays. I'd do Macho Madness Monday where I, <laughs> as they warm up their laptops and get settled. Just a yeah. quick two-minute interview. <laughs> they don't know what they're seeing. Um, and I had started to do Warrior Wednesday. Very alliterative. Yeah. And they knew that I liked it, and they knew that I'm a really intense personality. They know that I love my, my job and my and kids. How old are the kids you teach? They're high school sophomores. Um, I do teach 9 through 12, but generally 10th graders. Mm-hmm. And I sat with them that day, and I and I talked to them about their childhood heroes. And I always tease my kids with that rapport of, you know, they like Justin Bieber. How can yeah. you like Justin right. Bieber? 
But that day was very serious, and I and I I never made I never teased them, even as jokingly and as lovingly as I do, I never teased them after that for liking Justin Bieber or whatever. Um, that was a really big learning experience for me. I never did it to hurt feelings, but I I did do it, you know, just to give them a hard time. And um, they were really cool. And I, I would say, you know, I said to my to my student Sal, who loved the Patriots, mm-hmm. what would you do if Tom Brady died? And he said, I'd be really upset. And I said, that's kind of where I am right now. And they were so cool, polite, and respectful about it. Um, so um, so bringing this home, um, mm-hmm. that day, that afternoon, it was a Wednesday, um, I needed to go to the gym that day, and I couldn't not lift because that's not what a warrior would have wanted. I took the shirt that was hanging up, and I cut the sleeves off because you have to lift without <laughs> sleeves. <laughs> no other way to do it. And I wore my warrior shirt to the gym, which I wear every week to this mm-hmm. day. And um, I get to the gym, and I'm getting set up, and I'm really I had I had had a rough day. Um, I actually had a parent email me her condolences. She said, "My my my daughter told me what happened. I'm very sorry for your loss." And you could be watching this thinking, "I'm like, like about to get choked up about that because ah. for multiple reasons. One." Somebody that means something to you, whether anyone understands it or not, it doesn't make it mean any less to you. You being able to teach, I feel like kids that age a lot of times can be very cynical. Uh, you, yeah, you kind of teaching them the importance of that. Like you said, I won't tease them anymore because of who they. No, are, not for that. I still tease them. All right, but to me that 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 you said you wanted to make it a teachable moment. You got through to at least one kid to the point where they explained what they learned to their parents. And the parent felt the need to reach out to you. It was selfish. I did it for me. Um, you know, it wasn't a standard of education at the time. Um, you know, it wasn't on the curriculum. But I, I, the kids were so kind to me that day. And they didn't need to be. And mm-hmm. they could have snickered, and they didn't. And um, kids are cynical. Um, when you're a teacher, you do realize, even at the high school level, that they're still babies. And mm-hmm. I tell the kids that, like, you're still babies. And I do not mean that in a demeaning way. Right. But they're so impressionable. Um, you know, people ask me, what do you teach? You know, what subject? Well, I teach kids. And some of them love me and some of them hate me. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think they all agree that I, I, I push them. And um, But that day, I, I needed them. I needed I needed something. Um and I told them, I, who would have known how I would have reacted? Here's this flamboyant, big, muscled wrestler who dies. Um, I go to the gym, <laughs> and a guy comes up to me, and he goes, Hey, Ultimate Warrior, didn't he just die? And, Ron, if looks could kill me, <laughs> I, never, I never said a word to him. I just looked at him. He didn't need to. I had the earbuds in, and it was like, are you stupid? Um, I'm not a friendly guy at the gym to begin with, but that was not the day. And um, So that day, I was doing deadlifts, heavy deadlifts. And I was getting set, and I and I, I warmed up, and I settled in for a heavy set. And um, I, I know that I'm, I sound like a macho meathead right now. <laughs> and I, had, I always have my iPod on shuffle. And a song came on, and it was by the Counting Crows. And it's called, If I Could Give All My Love to You. And Richard Manuel is dead. Now, it sounds very cheesy and corny. Mm-hmm. I know this is probably the thirtieth time our listeners have rolled their eyes. <laughs> My wife had met Adam Duritz, the lead singer of the Counting Crows, years before. That song is written about Richard Manuel, who was uh, the drummer in the band, mm-hmm. um, and he wrote that song at a point where he's feeling very depressed. 
and he had woken up uh, in bed with a lady, and he'd gotten the news that Richard Manuel had died, and it shocked him, and it, it brought him down. Um, if you know Adam Duritz and his music, and he's, he's battled depression, mm-hmm. and he wrote this beautiful song about it. And my wife has this love affair with the Cannon Crews and, the, <laughs> and Adam Duritz, and she's got me into them. And she explained to me, she said, I, I met Adam Duritz backstage at a show. We shared a cigarette. And my wife always loved Rick, Rick Danko from the band. And um, they had this, this moment. And they talked about the song, and she thanked him. And it was really cool. And again, a celebrity mm-hmm. interaction. It always means more. Mm-hmm. And she, when she was teaching me about the Counting Crows, um, because you have to learn to love your wife's music, whether you want to or not, but I have grown to like the Counting Crows, and that song came on. And again, it's that serendipitous kind of thing, um, you know, WrestleMania 30 and my travels to see him. And I, and I went to dig my heels in for that first deadlift. And uh, that first, the first licks came in, and I, again, at the gym, I cried as I did my first set. And I had to stop, and the tears were coming, and I probably looked like I'd just gotten bad news. Um, it was a point of closure. It was a point of clarity. Um, I would gotten the email from the student's parent. Um, I have it saved in my inbox to this day. I thought it was very kind. She didn't mm-hmm. need to be. Um, Ron, you know, we see on Twitter now, we see all over the Internet with Dana Warrior. People have the tattoos and stuff, the weird symbol. And I always said I was going to do it, and I never did, and I right. probably never will. Um, I actually commissioned, um, through my principal at the time, a three-wall mural of the Ultimate Warrior tribute. Um, and back to my best friend, Jason. And this is in your classroom. This is my classroom. Um, my best friend, Jason, I taught his cousin. And she was in the National Art Honor Society, and I emails and a couple designs and long story short these kids who I taught um, we came up with a design and they spent months of their own time after school sometimes during school they redesigned my classroom and my classroom is now a three wall tribute to the warrior I have a quote Mm -hmm. across the top of my wall Um, I have a caricature of him um, of course with the always believe Mm -hmm. There's a big, huge mural of him growling. <laughs> we selected the paint. We selected the colors representative of you know my favorite matches. Mm-hmm. Um, and my classroom's going to be raised in two years. Raised, R-A-Z-E-D. It means it's going to be wrecked. <laughs> not raised. Nice way of saying that. Yeah. Uh, they're redesigning the school. Um, and... You know, I don't do the Insta Machat and the, <laughs> and the Snap-a-Magrams. You're nowhere near it. I do not do the social media. I check the social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, my kids will tell you that. I always check their Twitters and stuff like that. I just never got into it. But um, my last goal, I guess, in the saga to prove to somebody, to the world, to, you know, um, that how important Warrior was, what his legacy was, not just in wrestling, but... I know he had some controversial remarks. He did, did the uh, DePaul University speech that got mm-hmm. him in a lot of trouble. And I get that. Um, and especially now with social media where everything is kind of like a footprint to what mm-hmm. you've done. His message of inspiration, which is the message I have on my classroom, it says, um, you know, it's about judgment. We worry so much about how we're judged. And I don't care how I'm judged at this point. Um, you know, I'm proudly so. I will, you know, sometimes we do it to the point where we attack other people. Yeah. Um, and I want my kids to know that, you know, their greatness as students will silence all of that negativity. Um, and my goal is uh, you have fans that go to your Facebook site. I would love for them um, if we could put some pictures up of my classroom. I, I want to get this story, these pictures, into Dana Warrior's hands. 
I did set up a Twitter. Mm -hmm. I actually have a Twitter handle. It's Destrucity, which is a, a word coined by <laughs> Warrior. Did you know that? I did not know that. He came up with this belief system called Destrucity. We're going back to like 1996. Again, I was a Warrior fan before it was cool. Destrucity13, and I, and I set up this Twitter thing, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. Um, but I do have pictures of this classroom on the uh, on my phone, which mm -hmm. I can send to you. Um, and I just want Dana to see them. Um, in my in my wildest dreams, I would love for her to reach out to me. I do yeah. see what she does on Twitter. She's mm -hmm. spreading the power of positivity, which is such a, <laughs> a phrase that we hear as wrestling fans. But um, my kids put their heart and soul on it. Um, this year, uh, the kids that designed it, some of the kids, they're seniors. So um, they're leaving, up, yeah. leaving me, leaving the school. Um, and it's really been really full circle from the time I was a child, you know, I believed in Warrior at the same time that I was believing in Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. And now I'm the father of a three-year-old. And it's never gotten old. Right. And yeah, I love the Shawn Michaels. And I, I can talk to you about technical wrestling. And I know about, you know, tackle, drop down, hip, hip toss, mm -hmm. duck the line, you know, take a powder. <laughs> I know it all. But it all comes back to being a kid. And that's what we do. We watch wrestling for the 17 hours a week that we do. Yeah. And um, Only 17. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're not a true fan if you're watching uh, <laughs> less than 15. But I really want to thank you. Um, when I met you via text all those mm -hmm. months ago, it was, can I get my warrior story out there? You give me the form to do it. We've been talking for about uh, 50 minutes. Um, and I just kind of want to put it out there. Uh, the school is going to renovate. The classroom will be gone. Who to thunk it that Ultimate Warrior... One of his messages is inscribed in the walls of public education. Yeah. Such a conservative environment. But, um, yeah, the weekend of WrestleMania 30, man, um, all the people that have to travel there, uh, we, you know, we talk about Daniel Bryan, and we have the legacy of Connor's cure. Mm -hmm. But for me, it speaks volumes in a much, much different way. Yeah. Now, if you don't mind, like we said, we're 50 minutes in. Yeah. A few just thoughts before we close. If you're still listening, you have <laughs> no life. Yeah. <laughs> so... There's a few things. One, the idea of that, that last promo that the Warrior gave on yeah. Raw that night. Obviously, like you said, your friend said he saw signs of him not looking good. I didn't think that at the time. My friends Brian and Jason saw it at the show. Um, they stayed an extra day in mm -hmm. Raw, uh, in New Orleans for Raw, and I needed to get home. And, you know, <sighs> there's things that you notice at the time that you don't quite really pick up on until something has happened. Well, it's like looking out the side window of a car. Sometimes things go sure. by way too fast for you to really observe. Uh, my buddy Brian, he does not miss a trick. Um, <laughs> he remarked to, to Jason at the time, uh, Warrior looks awfully red. Was he excited? You know, he got blown up, mm -hmm. shaking the ropes. Yeah. Um, I've showed that promo because it is a very powerful, aside from the fact that it ended up being his eulogy, but I showed that to my, my kids, my classes. Um, I actually had a group of kids in last week, and we were talking. I showed it to them, and I said, you know, he died 24 hours, not even after this. And the looks on their faces, they said, really? I said, yeah, this was his eulogy. Um, it's just, it's something I take into consideration as a person. Um, I try to leave good on the world. Mm -hmm. I'm not always successful. Um, but as a father especially, um, I know that Warrior's daughters are his legacy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm lucky I get to be a teacher, teacher and really kind of... You know, I can make or break kids. Yeah. Um, and he talked about the running that the man does in life, and it lives on forever. And 
it, it really does. It sounds it's very prophetic, very dramatic. Again, but it is. Well, this is what I, what I was actually going to get to because he yeah. made. I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something about the blood that pumped through the veins. I don't. I'm kind of paraphrasing here. Sure. We'll live on forever. So that he gave that speech, you know, hours before he left the earth, mm-hmm. that it was probably in front of one of the biggest crowds he's ever spoken in front of. Uh, he's he's actually been mocked for a lot of his promos. Absolutely. Um, this promo, which had, there were so many things about it that were so profound, just as a human being living life. It's not even it's a great word. It was very profound. Um, not only is did that go out to all those people like you who was a big fan. You know, you looked up to this guy. He meant a lot to you. It's not only like that he will live on with you, but now because of you. Part of what he did, part of the things he said, and the message that he spread will live on in all these countless number of kids that you will teach. I hope. For the, like, to me, that's incredible. They get a kick out of him. They see him, and there's the wild guy with the... And, you know, the kids say sometimes, like, you remind me of him. And I'm like, do I paint my face? Like, nah. Your hair's long, and you're crazy. And it's a compliment. Um, yeah. You know, I, who are we to think that this crazy cartoon character can be taken seriously by the general public? Mm-hmm. I know. I get it. Um, it's kind of cool they can laugh at it, and then we can bring up a sobering kind of, like, yeah. profundity. It is a word. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a noun form of profound. Um, that... He gave this speech, and he died, and he did try to spread good. He was always a face. He was never mm-hmm. a heel, unless you want to go to the beginning of his career. But I nah. think that kind of said something to his legacy, his belief system. Um, I think he genuinely tried to be a good dude. Um, I may not have agreed with him politically. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't. Um, that's certainly you know a different can of worms. But you know he tried to do good. Um, he was very much maligned for it. And I'm not saying he was perfect. But uh, outside he, of Mr. Perfect, who is? Mr. Perfect is perfect. When they tell you kids that there's no such thing as perfect, <laughs> not true. Um, you know, I, I know that he said things. I know that he did things, and we, we can't we can't you know rake him over the coals for his sins. But if we focus on the positive, and, and me as a teacher, um, you know, uh, education ebbs and flows when you're dealing with a bunch of personalities. Um, I'm a I'm a human psychologist. Sometimes I'm a therapist. Um, sometimes I do a bad job of it. I get mm-hmm. it, but. That kind of message for um, a fledgling adolescent who may be looking for something to latch on to. Mm-hmm. Hey, for me, it was pro wrestling when I was 15. Yeah. I turned out okay. And I, know, I don't intend to turn these kids on to being wrestling fans, but it's a piece of me. It was very formative. And again, we're talking, Ron, from 1992 to 2016. That's 24 years. Man, I don't see myself slowing down anytime soon with my warrior. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a lot. Like your, your politics are not who you are. Of course not. But the way you live your life, the way you treat the people that are around you, that is who you are. And I think and at those the end, are the things that will stand the test of time about him. I think at the end, his amends that he made, and when you see the Warrior documentary, and he uh, gave the little engine the could to Vince mm-hmm. McMahon and things like that, it's so surreal. And yeah. I hate that word, but it really no, is. You're, you're when right, you see the, the documentaries they released in the weeks after his death, so... That's my warrior story. It spans it spans a, a good Decades. Two, two thirds of my life. Yeah. Um, those who know me and they see the shirt and you know, um, you know, to uh, to borrow a phrase from this WrestleMania Seven mm-hmm. tight, um, my buddy Jason got that for me at a convention. It means much more than this, and yeah. by this I mean wrestling. It does mm-hmm. mean much more than that. It does. It's very inspirational to me. I think if you uh, he who does not believe in Anything um, is destined to fail. And right. for me, I latched on to this crazy cartoon character. And it's helped you get to where you are. 
You used the word uh, magical at one point earlier, and I think Vince McMahon has famously said we make movies. But I think more than that, WWE is capable, and not as often as other things, but often they make magic. Anybody who's gotten emotional at a wrestling event show moment knows what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, WWE does those tribute videos, and man, I I have a hard time watching them, but... Yeah, you're right. They do make magic, mm-hmm. and and where the buyers in. Yeah, and I have two two quick things. Okay, I'll just add real quick sure. before we end this, because I think it's important, and they're they're things touching on what you said. Your idea of like wanting to thank him to say thank you, that's something that I've come to really appreciate in the last six to eight months. I met Shawn Michaels in April. Lucky. All I said was, you know. I didn't say, like, oh, I need your picture. I the talk about this match. You all I wanted to say. You didn't do one of these with I, him? I didn't. I no, could have. But all, all I wanted to tell him was just thank you. You know, you put yourself through a lot to entertain me and millions of people. Thank you for that. And, Ron, it's not cool for 30-somethings to do that. Right. It is not cool. It is not macho. See, I, oh, I thought I was cool. Well, <laughs> not other thing was, to the world at large. Yeah, the other thing we said on a previous episode was how we maybe didn't appreciate Bret Hart enough. I met him just about a month or so ago. And same thing. I looked in his eyes. I know he's had his troubles the last year or two with his health. And he's got a lot of demons, I think. But just looking him in his face, this guy who you know, he gave everything he had to that business. I shook his hand. I just said, thank you. He looked right in my eyes. I told him, you know, I all I wanted to say is, like, I wish you the best in And, Ron, he's heard that a million times. I know. Let's hope that it resonated somewhere. Something about, I don't know, I, I, it felt like, like we shared... A moment, and it'll maybe, stay with you. Yeah, maybe it was just me, but and I hope that it meant something to him. But I think that's important. The other thing is when something bad happens, you know, anything, people will rally around that cause for a time, and then things go back to normal. They forget it. Yeah, WWE when Warrior came back when he died, there was a lot, a lot of love shown to Dana Warrior, her kids, uh, within the wrestling community. The same thing. But again, it's not at the forefront of people's minds anymore. It's been a couple years now. So that's another reason why I wanted to have you do this. Because, you know, if people aren't talking about it as much anymore, it doesn't mean people aren't still feeling those feelings. It doesn't mean people don't still believe in that. So that's another reason why I would like this to get in her hands. Just for her to know that that impact was made. It has not disappeared. You may not be getting the same amount of attention you were in 2014. But there are people out there who still feel this, who still believe it, who still want to keep his cause and his legacy alive. I know that's why I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. They have the the Warrior Award, the Legacy Award. Uh, I believe it's a bit of a bastardized version of Mm -hmm. his message. Um, You know, in my my wildest dreams, I would love to win the Warrior Award just for being a fan. (laughs) Again, I've never had the trials and tribulations some of those kids have had, but... um, yeah, you're right. Out of sight, out of mind. Um, I wear my warrior shirt every single week to the gym. Um, it's threadbare. There's a couple <laughs> holes, but I'll keep it forever. Yeah. Um, I actually bought seven of the same shirt <laughs> from Urban Outfitters all those years back. So I'll be repping warrior for some move. time. Yeah. Uh, well, Paul, thank you for Thanks coming for on the show. Me, thank you for telling your story. Thank you. It took a little bit of vulnerability for you yeah. to come on here and do this, so I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, everybody out there listening, watching. Crying. Yes, if you're crying, we'd like you to share this with Dana Warrior, with people who follow WWE, as many people that could hear this story, share in this message. We'd like that to happen. These pictures from your classroom, we posted on our Facebook page, on our Twitter. Uh, so... Keep an eye out for that. And like I said, spread the message to as many people as you can. Paul, once again, thank you for thank doing you, this. Thank you, Ron. It's your form. I appreciate it. Awesome. And I look Great forward stuff. to having you on here again. We'll do it soon. 
So for everybody out there listening, that was the show, and we will see you next time.